Hello and welcome. My name is Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. On today's episode, Luke and I are joined by friend of the podcast, Dr. Earl Livings. Earl is an Australian writer whose work focuses on nature, mythology, and the sacred, with poetry and fiction, literary and speculative, published in Australia and overseas. Earl's next poetry collection will be published in December 2018, and he is also working on a Dark Ages novel. In the media section, we chat Russian movies once again with our resident Russian film critic, Luke. We chat about the new Doctor Who, Stan Lee's passing, Bohemian Rhapsody, and the last season of House of Cards. And following on from our last podcast, for the topic, we chat metaphor in speculative fiction, as well as the types of specfic that is award-worthy, so to speak. And as always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate in getting in touch with me via my email, mailbox at thepenofjoel.com, and check out our specfic endeavors at specfic.com.au. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. We are back at the Brunswick Street Bookstore and we are once again in the loft of the Brunswick Street Bookstore. So you would have seen in our last podcast picture this really bohemian, grungy looking place, weird attic roof boxes and things in the background. Yeah, cobwebs. Yeah, dust. Um, We have our podcast host once more, co-host Luke. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. It's been like a couple... Two episodes? Yeah. Which is like six months these days. Almost, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. How have you been? Yeah, good. Um, good? Been up to tons of things, but... Uh, right? Hey? Tell me about those tons of things. Oh, tons of things. You know, lots of stuff. <laughs> lots of stuff. <laughs> Isn't that another way of saying tons of things? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Even, um, le- even more vague? <laughs> I don't know. Gone to uh, Russian Film Festival. Gone to like, nice. Melbourne International Film Festival. Yep. Um, MIF, right? That's that's it's MIF, M-I-F-F. MIF, yeah. yes. Didn't get miffed though. Aha. Anyways, <laughs> couldn't um, help it. But uh, yeah, not as much writing as I'd like to, but mm-hmm. some of it, a little Very bit, good. bits and bits and pieces. Lots of work, so you know, yeah. fit it in where you can. Fit it in where you can. That is more than fair. We have a guest, as we usually do, Dr. Livings. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, thank you both. Yeah, fantastic to have you. Right, let's. Why don't we jump into uh, the media section, shall we? Actually, so I have a story. I have story time with Joel this story time. time. Story time. Story with Joel. Is this the new? Is this a new? Uh, this is the new section. section. That I haven't heard of. Oh. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I haven't done good. it in a while. Um, but here's a here's a thing about eye contact and human beings where eye contact can be quite unnerving when it's used in situations that you don't expect. I'll, if you have any stories, I would like to hear them, but this is my story. Is this so a I, public transport story with Joel? No, no, th- those have been done with. <laughs> okay, yeah. this is a new section. Yeah, okay, now those are too awkward. I don't tell anybody about them anymore. Um, no, so I was, uh, I, was, I was buying an item of clothing or food, and I can't remember what it was, but the, uh, the person behind the desk, they were like, oh, you know, what's your phone number? Because there was a receipt and everything. And, and they, w- they typed in the, the, the phone number. But while he was typing it in, he was looking at me. So he obviously understood the number pad good enough that he was punching in the digits. Yep. But it was so off-putting because no one's done that to me in my life before. So I stopped halfway through the number. And, you know, X, 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 X. And then I stopped. And I was like, oh, you, you're, still, you're still going. And then I repeated myself. And then he kept breaking continuous, like he kept continuous eye contact with me 
while entering it in, like not smiling or anything. It was really uncomfortable. And I'm sure it's not his fault. He just knows his keyboard really well. But, but yeah, um, that's that's my Cogn- uh, cognitive dissonance there. Right? Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Well, you weren't expecting it, so it was a, a dissonance. Uh, a little bit more interesting if he was looking over your shoulder while typing it in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Completely disinterested. Yeah. Next. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Keep, I'm sure typing. we've all had that. Um, any any weird eye contact stories, Luke? No. No. I don't really look at people. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, there you go. Um, so no, none no, um, no weird eye contact stories. How about your death livings? Um, I don't, but I have a friend who's a, an audiologist, and mm. he does um, visits to the outback, right, uh, to uh, to help with uh, clinical uh, procedures with, uh, with 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 well with children and, and whatever. Yeah, and he was talking about how eye contact is a cultural thing. Mm. That in Aboriginal societies, yeah. it's actually rude to actually maintain and look directly at somebody. Mm. Um, so there is that sense of, um, you know, we have to be aware of those sorts of cultural differences. Yeah. And uh, it's just in something as simple as an as a, as a eye contact. Yeah. So, uh, because so that's, that's almost the inverse of some, right? Where it's mm. rude not to look someone in the eye. That's right. In, in our culture, it is. That's right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So are you, well, being, off, are you being rude? Yeah, you, maybe. Luke, if you don't, uh, if you don't look at Luke is intention. <laughs> <laughs> which culture is that one? Because I don't know if I'm in it. <laughs> you choose not to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. By it, not looking. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. By you not looking. <laughs> Deliberately. Well, if we go rude. off on a tangent, mm. then um, I did hear about some eye contact. If you, if your dog looks, gives you eye contact, it's the alpha. So it will look away if it's, if it's like. Um, uh, submissive or like it's it's part of your yeah pack, oh, it's, it's treating you as if it alpha. looks at you if it keeps looking at you it's, it's you've got to you've got to fix things because it's just gonna, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna it's, tear it's up the place <laughs> <laughs> oh that's interesting wow. yes. so um yeah because it's assertive it's yeah. very assertive so as soon as they lock eyes with you and stay there you're in trouble <laughs> yeah there was this um i guess we're moving into the media section now oh. the nice segue <clears throat> there was a there was a film i think snow dogs i think it was that <laughs> film with um uh, paul walker um, and he, it was a uh, uh, huskies, I guess, in the in yeah. the snow. Yeah, yep. where, yep. they, where they pull the sleds. Um, and yeah, there was a scene where he, th- throughout the whole movie, he has this like not antagonistic relationship with one of them, the alpha, the alpha dog. And at the very end of the movie, he like looks at it, like gets nose to nose with it. Yeah, and then I think it looks down. So I think yeah, so he's established himself yeah. as the alpha. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. There we go. Well, let's talk media, shall we? You have been to many film festivals, apparently. Luke being all cultured. And and, uh, yeah, cultured. <laughs> <laughs> I have a wife. Yeah, there you go. That's true. You get to go to events. Yeah. Get to go. Yeah. Get to um, go. No, it's, it's good to... Good. Um, I'll only really talk about the Russian ones because they're the most recent ones. Sure. Um, so there were three films I saw. I'm not going to go in huge depth on each of them, but um, the first was The Last Warrior, which... Mm-hmm. I think it was a collaboration with Hollywood, actually. Mm. So Russia and Hollywood, imagine that. Um, but um, it was... I had mixed feelings on it because it, it was... It, had, it lacked a lot of story elements that you would want it to have to be coherent and to, like, you know, to keep... It had a lot of plot holes that didn't need to be there, for instance, very obvious things. But it was bringing back to life a lot of like uh, old Russian folk stories sure. mm-hmm. and characters that um, haven't really been heard of for ages. So um, 
Baba Yaga, for instance. Yep. Yep. Um, it brought her to an, into an interesting, interesting light and had like bits and pieces of her magic and her. Do you, do you think the, um, the plot holes, per se, are only there because maybe Westerners don't know the background to some of these folk tales and a Russian audience might have been no, able to fill in things? Not mm. so much, because this wasn't even taking an actual story. It was taking the characters and putting them into oh, its own story. Okay. Right. And the plot holes were with that story. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that didn't... How, didn't how does work. that connect with that? You yeah. could easily understand this, blah, you know, the basic plot holes that Hollywood loves to forget about, apparently. Mm. Um, uh, there was. Um, I'm trying to think of the other characters' names, but I've forgotten them now. But um, it featured some of the, the ancient Russian heroes, so not really folk tales as much. Oh, no, some folk tale, but also historical figures mm-hmm. who. Um, I don't remember their names either, but so they were they were more like warriors who became known legends. For, yeah, became yeah. legends. So you know, like the long of, beards and sort of really like the uh, yeah, Arthur being a possibly a a a, 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 a chief of a warlord or something. Or a Roman, yeah, 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 or a Roman, or <laughs> you know, yeah, so the uh, king of a whole land. Yeah, that's and, yeah. right. Yeah, so it evolved into yeah. the legend from an historical character you know yeah. what, what is it in Lord of the Rings you know history becomes legend legend becomes myth <laughs> that great line yeah. Yeah. which isn't in the book which isn't in the book yeah, no. it's an original I line re- I reread the book yeah. just to find just to it like, like where is this that's thing it, yeah. you know and mm. I thought it's not there <laughs> great and it was yeah. wrapped in this curious uh, wrapper of you know how uh, like the Narnia series where someone from modern day goes back into this place and um, they can't figure out what's going on because it's all out of their league yeah um so it was the son of one of these heroes who was pushed into f- the future to protect him from something. And then he comes back and he has this legacy to live up to and he's like scrawny and <laughs> he's got to live up to this heroic ideal. Um, ideal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, it, was, it had some interesting elements. I liked seeing those characters come back to life. With, you know, no one reads about them or listens about them, mm. listens to any stories about them anymore, so... So, on a curious uh, production note, you mentioned the Hollywood. Uh, it had a Hollywood um, production company attached mm. to it. What? Where? Do you know anything about how that worked? Like, what the involved? Were they just a distributor? I haven't distributor? looked. At, no, no, no. They actually worked. Um, so it was I believe they did some yeah. of like the animations and stuff. Some of the story as well. Right. They actually worked. There was a pretty tight collaboration. Interesting. Mm. Do you think so, that worked out? Do, could you feel a difference? Because you've watched a lot of Russian films. I've watched a lot of Russian films. I definitely could see like a dumbing down of Oof. the fairy tale of the oh, like Rus- Russian folk yeah. stories to which make it yeah made me cringe because sure. I've seen a lot of older like Russian folky stuff and it, yeah it at least stays true to its own story mm. Mm. so uh, I'm glad in some ways I'm glad that it's there just for like so the West can understand that there are these other characters but at the same time. I guess they might think of them as jokes now, so I'm a little concerned in that regard. Right. Because, um, yeah, they would... They took a more humorous approach to it. They took a... Not just humor, it just seemed more like slapstick almost to these characters. Mm. So, yeah, that's a concern for me, but... So do you know which (laughs) studio was more dominant in terms of the the billing rights? No, I don't actually know, no. Okay. Um, I haven't looked that far into the Yeah, that'd be really curious as well to see if it was actually the Russian studio and then they were just trying to 
be like, oh, okay, let's try and fit a Western audience yeah. onto this, on top of this. I'm sure it was more the other way direction because they have more sway monetarily. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And they've mm. got a wider audience. So I'm sure they got a lot of the sway. Yeah. Um, was that like the, uh, what was that film? The Wall? The, the, oh, the, the Chinese one. The Chinese one. I tried to forget that. <laughs> yeah, it was the podcast we did, right? Where yeah, we yeah, about we all. talked about Man, it. Yeah. Don't remind me. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Anything else? Or the, those um, so there was another one that was called Pagans. Okay. And that was more... Starting strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah good. It was set in modern day Russia in, in a town, well, a city. I think it was Moscow. So not, that, not a town really. Um, and it, it's... I don't know if you've ever seen any like Russiana sort of films where it's sort of focused on apartment life and the people who oh, are yeah. yeah. um, like interacting with each other and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it focused on several different characters there. One was like a... Um, she was a orthodox, like very highly religious orthodox a grandmother. Mm-hmm. And one was like a very coarse sort of labourer guy. And... And there was uh, like an artist who wanted to like play piano, or um, he also played the flute. I think it was. And there was his wife, who was more of a, like she she was very practical, trying to get just force a job, like very um, uh, very aggressive. And then there was a daughter who was like rebellious and trying to like, mm. get out of this whole um, you know, separate from the parents' generation sort of mm. Yeah, character. what she considers to be mundane, yeah, um, mundane life. But the interesting thing was that it showed the way that everyone, even the people who were like anti-religious or non-religious, had their own way of being religious. Mm. So it would show how um, this, like the artist, for instance, he idolized his art. He would, he would like worship it and he would ignore everything else for the sake of it. And... Um, so it was his religion yeah, in that sense. Yeah, it was like sense. his yeah. religion. Yeah. And um, like even his mother, his mother would say, oh, he's, he needs to go back to, he needs to be baptized again, blah, blah, blah. And she would say that he's not religious, but of course it's showing everyone's internal religion. Yeah. Like what they've made the center of their life, really. Hmm. So Interesting. That is uh, fascinating. I think it's one yeah. of the best ones that I saw. Interesting. So you mentioned the, I, I don't remember the term, Russiana, I think you said? I don't that, know is, if it's a real word. So, so you've, you've mentioned films like this before. Is that like a genre that's popular in Russia? Like these very close, you know, <laughs> close shots on characters oh, yes. in very yeah, yeah, small yeah. environments? It's very common, yeah. Interesting. Why, why do like you think that, that is? Is it just like that's very reflective think, of current Russian life? I think because it um, goes back to the Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky yeah. stories. Like the, he was very popular amongst yeah, Russians yeah. and his style continued and is now being more like honed, you could say. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, it seems to be a, um, a way of self-examination, but I'm mm. not 100% sure how it translates when Russians watch it themselves. I don't know if it's more like, oh, look at those guys or... This is interesting to think about. I don't. I'm not sure to be honest. Mm, interesting, but um, yeah. it is. I they're very enjoyable films. Yeah, and um, so yeah, is they don't they do them really well? How how close to reality are the films? Like in terms of life, do they do they try and portray them exactly as you would expect so a real, Russian? Uh, a oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. Very, very, very realism. Yes. Dirty yes. realism. I yeah. guess. Very realism. Yeah. yeah, social like, or 
but not social realism in that sense. It's not because it's saying, not questioning the society. It's not, yeah, yeah. Well, social realism, I suppose, um, would social celebrate realism. it. You know, I mean, social realism in Russian terms or would be about yeah, so, that's yeah, true. So this is you know, this is the way we go. The motherland, you know, yeah, it's the yeah. motherland stuff, and you know, oh, the, the, case, the yeah. system oh. is good, and, yeah. you know, and uh, um, it's it's not a critique of it. Yeah, oh, no, it usually comes across as dystopian, so it's oh, very right. interesting. It's very like, wow, this is really bad, mm. and yet we still do okay. So. Yeah, but we still do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was about to say, I was like, wait, how does this fly in current Russian climate? But So how hard are the censors then in Russia, like censorship in terms of critique? I don't know how much there is, to be honest. It's yeah. not as big as it... Oh, it's obviously not Soviet anymore. They have yeah. a lot of uh, freedom in terms of um, art. But even in Soviet times, they had a lot of films that were criticizing or cr- like uh, displaying different um, human... Uh, flaws, for instance, because that mm. was part of the Soviet regime was high morality. So it was saying, look at this and this and this in the social life, day to day life. Yeah. And of course, it'd be more propagandic in there. But that wasn't. But that's not but criticizing the system, though. Yeah. No, it's not. But yeah. now, of course, they can do that. So it's more. Um, I, it doesn't necessarily criticize the system very heavily. It more shows how the people are living in the system. Yeah. So yeah. you might see elements yeah. which you're like, oh my goodness, yeah, I understand. That's really bad. You know, it yeah. needs to fix this, like a police system or something. Oh, it's, it's useless here and um, all that. But I, it's more focusing on interpersonal relationships just between mm. people in the same yeah. building yeah, or yeah. in the same neighborhood. Which in a way is a sort of safe way of... Yeah, it's very safe. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're not unless, saying unless I have a Unless I have a political discussion about... Yeah, what Putin is doing or, or, or whatever, they're, they're not, they're not yeah. criticizing yeah, it's that a element kind of, the, of, of the system. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they can do that as well. There was a film that I watched, I can't remember what it was called, The Leviathan, I think it was, mm. um, where there was a, there was a, uh, a scene where um, some families go off for a picnic and all the guys get drunk and they shoot pictures of presidents. <laughs> so like, it, like it's not it's not illegal for them to do that kind of stuff it's not censored in that way yeah mm. but is but, that um, portrayed as a bad thing like in terms of the film they're like oh look at these people who are obviously not great people doing um, not great things partially because it was it was more I mean partially not as well because they were they were neutral characters yeah mm. there's a lot of neutral characters in um, in Russian films it's more like he has good and bad yeah where does he fit in not exactly sure it's a very grey sort of um approach to all of the characters really yeah interesting um, yeah there might I, be a villain or someone who is definitely darker but it's it's often very very flat like everyone's roundabouts as uh, until you get the mafia in and then you got the bad guys yeah for <laughs> yeah because they're obviously criminals so they're yeah. just outside of the system i would really this gives me an idea for a podcast of like putting you and like a russian film critic together and like talk and i just get to listen that actually sounds like a great idea there you go that's something for for future me um so what about you dr livings what have you been watching um reading yeah, watching uh i was thinking about it because i knew this was coming up i've mm. been uh, yeah, this, this is my limited TV watching at the moment, but I've uh, been watching the new Doctor Who, right? Hmm. Yeah, and been enjoying that. Yeah, um, and also been revisiting because uh, I saw some of the episodes, Class, which was the spin-off of Doctor Who. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, sort of uh, been yeah been enjoying that as well. But was, the, was that not as sorry to interrupt? Was that not as well received? As no, Doctor it wasn't. It was. 
I think it was critically well received. Right. Uh, the but uh, but the, uh, the audience reception wasn't there, and it got canned after a, uh, after a season. Why do you think um, that that was exactly? I don't know. People weren't. I don't, maybe maybe they've they're worn out with all the as mm. we were talking about before schools and talented kids in schools and yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. or they couldn't or, or maybe the american audience couldn't take the the um uh and this might be controversial couldn't take the gay element that was in the right. which was in it mm. i don't know you know there was no what i read of uh, the reviews there was no sort of um overt yeah uh, analysis of why it why it failed it mm. was sort of yeah it just didn't get it just didn't get the audience was virtually yeah. what they said um, but I wondered if that was part of it. Yeah. Um, but oh, no, I enjoy, I enjoyed that the, the season, uh, and I'm enjoying the uh, the Doctor Who, uh, you know, with a with a female Doctor Who. Yeah. I think it's it's been yeah, quite. How an is issue. that going? I haven't I haven't watched any of them. Yeah, I I, I, it's it's been going well. She's a really good actor. Yeah, she's good. fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very very. You know, she can be quirky. Uh, you can see that that the the sense of the of the the landscape if you like has shifted a little bit into more relational mm-hmm. type um, yeah. um, concerns in the series mm-hmm. um, i mean there's three companions for example which is you know which uh, they ha- they haven't had that for a long time right um, you know there's uh, you know and there's there's certainly a, a um a push if you like or 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 a an interest in diversity um, and um yeah, some, some, some. Not as uh, we were watching one episode, and 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 uh, sort of, uh, it wasn't as scary as you know, sometimes Doctor Who can yeah, be, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, and Joe, my wife, sort of said, "Oh, yeah, it's not really that scary." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, but it's looking at other things." Yeah, you know, which was this relational thing, yeah. yeah, which I thought was so interesting. The actress is uh, she's uh, Jodie Whittaker, Whittaker, right? Whittaker. Yeah, yeah. I first saw her in Whitechapel. Um, and she, she was Whitechapel or Broadchurch? Broadchurch. Broadchurch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not Whitechapel. <laughs> no, she wasn't in That's Whitechapel. That's another great show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you, know. <laughs> you talked Which, me into watching that. Yeah. And, and then it, it's cancelled. It, it, so it got cancelled. Yeah, I know. I was same here. Um, yeah. But she was in uh, Broadchurch mm. and she plays like, you know, the dynamic range of her acting is fantastic. Mm, yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. So I could definitely see her doing something. But at the same time, there's not a lot of humor in. Uh, in broad church, no, so no. but she's she's allowed to be humorous in, in, Great, in Doctor yeah, Who, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and she's playing that sort of that dislocation of still adapting to this new, great, not can't say body, but new personality, new yeah. new persona. So they've actually yeah. not just like um, not talking about it. No, no, no. So they're no, embracing so, yeah, it. They're embracing it. You know, That's and awesome. uh, you know, nice little throwaway lines. You know, yeah, sort yeah. of. You know, jeez. Mm. I haven't been in a dress for... Well, I can't remember when I last wore a dress. <laughs> and I'm thinking, when did Doctor Who yeah, wear a dress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, that's an <laughs> yeah. interesting little segue. Yeah, little little, little hint there. Yeah. And uh, So, uh, no, I've been enjoying that. Um, as far as reading's concerned, um, the last book I completed reading mm. was uh, a volume that a certain person gave me of <laughs> Fafford and Grey Mouser. Ah. Yes. Uh, and totally, totally enjoyed uh, you know, getting back into some sword Absolutely. and sorcery. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm currently reading uh, some M. John Harrison. Um, Vericonian. His Vericonian stories. Yeah. Uh, and trying to catch up with my Spider-Man comics as well. Oh, yes. And we can't 
not mention uh, Stan Lee's passing. That's right, well. exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah, what a very, titan! What a titan! Yeah. So I found it really interesting when I was reading uh, reading up on some of the stuff last week uh, how Stanley obviously isn't his name. It's Stanley something Lieberman or yeah. Lieber Lieber. Mm. It was, and he picked Stan Lee to be his comic. Persona. Because they, because he, because he wanted to be a novelist. Yes, yeah, yes. And he was going to use <laughs> Stan, read, yeah. Stanley Lieber as his, as his, as his official, you know, serious, serious name, serious name. You know? yeah. And uh, yeah, he obviously, I don't know if he even wrote a novel. I mean, it'd yeah. be interesting to see whether, but uh, he's a, a cultural force in in the, that um, in in the comic uh, popular culture yeah. um, uh, domain, if you like. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think you know some. That that idea that he created that that superheroes are inherently moral, like mm. they have a a moral, not not so much a he's not moralizing, no, but that they exist to be these heroic characters. The antiheroes, I guess, are in the response. But he, to but that. he also but he also introduced them with with real world problems. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, when you think of Spider Man, he was a a teenager yes. being bullied at school, yep. worried about his aunt making money. You know, sort of concerns that normal kids had, as opposed to Batman, who's a millionaire and you know, (laughs) millionaire playboy, millionaire playboy. You know, Superman. Yeah, yeah, Superman's got no problems. You know, except (laughs) Except for yeah, yeah, except for the kryptonite. But I mean, you know, and then you had to have different types, different colors of kryptonite. You just get into terrible (laughs) storytelling. Yeah, never got into that. No. I think I read an abridged novel, uh, like five pages or something of Superman. I was like, that's it. <laughs> I, I think uh, one, of those, one of those key things, and you know, everyone said that with great power comes great responsibility, but it was attached to a character that didn't have a lot of power in the idea of like, you know, he was a kid yeah. getting bullied at school, but he still had a responsibility. It mm. didn't excuse bad decision making. Yeah. You know, he, he, you know that, in that sense, that's like a little bit of that Yes, but you still have to be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, huge titan of the industry passing. Mm, but yeah, but 95, you know. It's, just it's pretty good. It's well, yeah, pretty he good, had a yeah. good yeah, innings. For a while, yeah. yeah, exactly. I've you seen know, acting so. in every single film. <laughs> yeah, 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 all the, little, think, all the cameos. Yeah. I think that's in his contract, yeah, that yeah. he was... He was he but wanted, I love, I love the fact that they've tied it all, all the cameos up by having him being one of the watchers. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> which is one of the characters created... Yeah. Yeah, decades ago, yep. you know, and uh, you know, he, you know, I, I mean, I've, I haven't seen that Avenger movie, but I've seen the cameo. You yeah, know, and I just, yeah. Hey, you guys, I'm, <laughs> you're, you're my lift home. Yeah, yeah come on, <laughs> don't leave me here. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, there you go. But he was even in a DC movie as well. Was he really? Yeah, an animated DC movie. Uh, oh, <laughs> when he's speaking to, um, was it Superman? No, no. When oh, when he's having it, no, that was a Spider-Man animated. When yeah. oh. Stan Lee in the animated movie is speaking to Spider-Man. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm but, thinking But, uh, yeah, no, it was some DC movie that was a bit of, bit of a send-up of, 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 the, of the conventions, you know, and, and yeah. he comes on screen and it sort of says, cameo, in big letters <laughs> around him. So, this is his cameo, and he's starting yeah. to talk, and then somebody whispers in his ear, oh, but this is a DC movie. Right. Oh! <laughs> So, yeah, no. very funny. I mean, he could send himself up. Yeah, yeah which is, he had a which good is, sense of humor. Yeah, right exactly. Um, yeah, great. Uh, so, I've had a few things to watch, and I recently watched um, Bohemian Rhapsody, 
um, at, oh, the, uh, at yeah. the cinemas. And it's a film that I would strongly suggest you watch at a cinema. They do really great stuff with the sound um, for obvious reasons. Mm, mm. Um, it's an interesting film. I really enjoyed it. So I'm in the camp that enjoyed the movie. I think as a film, again, it's not, it's not a film about realism. It's not a film that portrays you know, what people want to see, particular aspects of his life. It's a fantasy version of this great um, hero overcoming odds. That's, yeah. it. That's what the movie is. And if you go in with that expectation, I think you'll have a great time. Mm. Uh, the music's fantastic. Um, it's it's uh, Rami Malek's performance um, playing playing Freddie Mercury uh, is ridiculously close. You know, <laughs> they, they they did a side by side comparison of the Live Aid concert uh, where they had Freddie on the side and and Rami on the other side, and you know, yeah, it, he apparently spent months sort yeah, of studying it's practically it, identical, yeah, ex- yeah, and and, uh, and yeah. singing, and it's his own voice. Oh, and, is it? I didn't know yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's a hell of a performance, and. Yeah, I, I I definitely enjoyed my. You won't get an Oscar nomination for it though. <laughs> you don't think so? I don't know. I mean, it's too popular, probably. For I think he might. You think he might? I okay. wonder. Uh, yeah, they'll be probably get nominated for other stuff. Like yeah, best sound yeah. design or something like that. Yeah, it's so true. you're saying it was throwing in a hero's journey story, was it? Yeah, definitely. Mm. It was. It was. You know, these are the the flaws he needs to overcome at the end of the film, and and they they mm. they st- <laughs> storify a real life story, and real life isn't a story, right? We we have all these things that just kind of never end. Yeah, and end in ways that don't make a great movie. Um, but that's always the problem with biopics. Yes. Isn't it? So know? they need to wrap it in, in a nice, uh, you know, skeleton and be like, mm. this is the story and these are the things that are set up at the start of the story that pay off at the end. So I think it's great. I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of guy that listens to Queen every year. I sit down, I listen to the album, and then I move on <laughs> with my life every year. So I, yeah. You're a tragic. Yeah, I'm a tragic. Yeah. So I watched it and I was, yeah, I yeah, adored well, it. Uh, um, I, uh, Watched another movie. Yes, go for that it. That was to to go off. That Echo was the it, yeah. um, the Russian King of Rock. Right. His story of getting to um, getting to fame in yeah. during Soviet times when rock was underground and sort of oh wow interesting uh, that, on the side. Yeah, that's a, that's of, a hero's journey. Yeah. In itself. yeah, But it wasn't shown as a hero's journey. I was really I really liked the way that it, it actually showed a lot of the side characters who helped him do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not in heroic ways so much as like how they mentored him and just what they did and how they talked to him and what they did to like get him produced and um, like one of the main support characters was actually a famous rock um, uh, lead singer and writer that was from the uh, Zoo Park. I don't know if you know any Russian bands. No, no. <laughs> it's one of the bigger ones. But uh, so he. He was already very famous at the time that this guy came along and he heard him play guitar a couple of times. He's like, yeah, he's all right. He could do some tweaking, but he, mm. like, let's push him into this sphere. So um, it showed, like, it was a very well um, designed movie, I think, because it didn't, it wasn't, like I said, I wasn't pushing a, a classic narrative. It was more just telling the, the stories of these people and then threading in little fictional clips that it right. actually presented as fiction. Like, it would put... Um, uh, like uh, crayon drawings and stuff on the screen that are animating for certain bits and then be like, oh, that didn't actually happen, you know. Yeah. That somebody would, you know, the, what is it, the third wall? Breaking the fourth breaking wall. The fourth, fourth wall. Yeah, fourth yeah, wall breaking the fourth elements wall, yeah. where somebody would say that didn't happen, but, yeah. you know, if only it had kind of thing. Um, 
and no, it was. I think it was very well done. So yeah. you should have a look if you get a chance. Yeah. Um, so this leads me to a question about your viewing habits, and that you seem to be you know, obviously because of your your wife, you're seeing a lot <laughs> of these films and things. Are you are you leaning towards exploring writing a screenplay at some point? Not because you seem no. to be quite observant <laughs> of how these films <laughs> are being constructed. Um. So is that Not really. something I'm on the just horizon? It. Like it, I think it might. I mean, so you're enjoying it as a, writing as a voyeur. Ideas. So you're, you're a consumer, but you're also yeah. picking out what what you can take from it for for yeah. For I think your it's writing. very useful on a narrative yeah. for on a narrative yeah. level, and okay. um, there's a lot of things you can use to inform the way that you write or the way that you picture writing when you're writing, yeah, right? Sure, yeah. Because that's that informs the the book of in and of itself. Um, so hopefully it comes out really well, but you know I I don't think I have that like, the screenplay in me. Mm. <laughs> Maybe yep. one day I will, mm-hmm. and that would be very interesting. This is yeah. this, this is why sort of yeah every book you you read, every um, every journal, every film you go and mm. see, they're all tax deductions <laughs> if you're a writer. <laughs> That's true because yeah. it's all about your craft. It's true. But yeah. I am a visual writer, so when I'm writing, I'm, it's huge in yeah, my mind as to what imagery. I'm... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, that's what anybody... Well, not everybody. So it, most of the people who tell me that they've read my stuff, they're like, I can see it there. Yep. Yeah. Maybe I don't have anything in it, but I, mean, I can see it. <laughs> Maybe it's crap writing, it's but at least I can see it. You've got. Yeah. yeah, it's a great image. There's an image there, but that's it. Nothing behind the frame, but it's a great image. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think... That's probably because I grew up with images. Yeah. It's yeah. like watching films and playing games and all that kind of... It was yeah, very yeah. visual mediums that I was into. But I don't mm. think I have the... Well, I don't think I can write those. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a very positive way to end the media section. Very optimistic. But I don't think we should end on that. Because I have one negative thing Ooh. to talk about Ooh. in film. Because who listens to the Morning Bell podcast media section for positivity, Me. am I right? That's right. I That's mean, yeah, right. Come on, we need this exactly. controversy. So, come on. I watched two episodes of the recent House of... The last season of House of Cards. Oh, without. This, without Kevin Spacey. Yep. Now, let's get a few things straight before I start into this. Um, Kevin Spacey, as an actor is an incredibly intimidating presence that makes villains look really compelling mm. on screen. Mm. Yep. Now, uh, as much as I really enjoy, um, and, I've, and I've now blanked on uh, 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 um, the uh, Robin... Uh, Robin Wright? Robin oh. Wright. Yes. Thank you. Yep. Uh, so... Robin Wright's great in pretty much everything I've seen. Yeah, yeah. However, the way they've developed her character in House of Cards feels uh, inconsistent to the way they decided to end this show. It's always been leading up to the idea that she's going to take over. That, that's been alluded to many times in the show. But since they've killed Kevin Spacey... Spoilers, because everyone knows. Um, they've killed him off-screen... But they never stop referencing his character in the show. He's, it's that, it's that they even show a picture of his character lying in a coffin without the head. They just show the hand, the ring, the, the iconic ring, yeah. and her like holding his hand. They don't show his face. And it feels to me 
that the whole show is still about uh, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> they couldn't let him go. They couldn't let him go, and it feels he did make it. That it, was that was him. Yeah, yeah everything there was yeah. him. And it's so hamstrung by the fact that they didn't decide to just move on with her story, but mm. made it all about him again mm. without making it about him. So yeah. the show feels like something's missing, and it is. It is yeah. You know, and. I think the last season is the worst season by far, which is mm. really sad because I really wanted to see her shine, but I don't think they gave her the space or the room or her character, and it, I think it ends terribly. Mm. So my advice to anyone who hasn't seen House of Cards is that if you do want to watch it, watch the first two seasons and stop. Yep. You know, because you end with a really compelling, not great, positive ending. It's this, oh, wow, you know, this is... This is quite scary and then that's it and then you leave it and I think that's what they should have done instead of milking it for all it's worth right up until the point that they couldn't get uh, they didn't want to get the actor back so Mm. really sad not a great way to end that story but um, but there we have it Mm. Mm. a dose of yeah, a dose of negativity to end this. Yeah. Uh, if you take out the yeah, flavor of your I'll show, it's a bit dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll flip that and sort of say sure. one of my favorite TV series is Deadwood. Yes. Uh-huh. And the room I've, I've heard is that they're going to do a movie. Yes. So yes, that's absolutely. a positive. That's a positive. I don't even want to take that away. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I know. What great news. I hope they, I mean, I hope they do justice. Yeah, I mean, the, all the original actors are apparently coming yeah. back. Oh, that's yeah. That's, so, yeah, if you haven't seen Deadwood, then this oh, is the time. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, if to be cancelled was a shame. So mm. this oh, is maybe some Did justice. it go down a firefly path, did it? Yeah, a little bit. Oof. Yeah. Now they're going to a movie. Hopefully they do it well. Serenity, yeah. Serenity was okay, but. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. the same. Yeah, they made some decisions the in Serenity. That I so I hope just, they don't do that. They shouldn't have. <laughs> spoiler alert! They, yeah. they, they shouldn't have killed off Wash. Yeah, mm. that was that was that was just wrong. It was really strange because I watched Serenity before I watched the TV <laughs> show. <laughs> Did you? So uh. I was like, "Who's this guy? Guess he's not important." And then I <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched the show. And I was like, "Why? Why yeah. did they do that?" Yeah, yeah. that was um, that was that was strange. But there we go. We we ran off time on on that uh, media section, but I think that was a lot of good stuff, <laughs> especially from the from the expert uh, Russian film reviewer. <laughs> yes. I, just, I just did a salute off camera. Um, but uh, let's move on to the... Yeah, one day there might be a, this might be a vlog rather yeah, than a... Uh, it very, very well a, might a, be. A, what do you call a podcast? It's a, I suppose video it's, podcast? Video podcast. That doesn't sound... A vlog, I think it is, yeah. Vlog. The vlog can be just a blog that's Isn't it video. Just one person that's just one person usually talking oh, okay. to the camera. Yeah. So this has to be a... Mm, yeah, video Podcast. Find a snapping Vodcast. Vodcast. (laughs) No, it sounds like too much like vodka. Now we're getting back to Russia. Yes, vodcast. This is the vodcast. There you go. Vodcast of the future. We'll we'll get a vodka sponsorship and then we will make that happen. There we go. Yeah, but it'll just. It'll descend into insanity. Yeah, of course it will. It might improve the conversation. Who knows? (laughs) Only for a certain amount. Yeah, Yeah. you got it. It's just a shot. Yeah. Just a shot. Just a shot. You reckon a bit there's more? A, there's a. I remember last was it when I was over in in Wales. Um, I read this paper that sort of, that in, that explored how much alcohol can help creativity. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And they did this very limited um, uh, study and hmm. saying very you needed limited, yeah. <laughs> well, and they said you needed to be about 0.08 right. was the peak the peak alcohol content yeah. for creativity. Hmm. 
Which any of course, more, yeah, any, less, any yeah. more or less was what's yeah. that in terms of shots? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, well, and I was at the time I was, you know, in a residency which was next door to a pub, and I thought, now I've got an excuse yeah, to go to excuse. the pub more often. So you go in with the survey results. Yeah, the pub, this is justified. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Speaking, yeah. Of, speaking of drinks, I have a, like an Irish whiskey that I've. Not a whiskey, brandy that I've been having a little bit of recently. Irish brandy. Ooh. I think it's Irish brandy. Yeah. Ooh. Is it sweet or is it? It's a little uh, bit sweet. A little just bit like sweet? a little bit. Yeah. Like mm. a very uh, fruity sort of Bouquet. punch to it. Yeah. Oh, punch to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Interesting. But no, when I first got it, I was like, eh, that's all right. but then now it's it's growing on me. <laughs> yeah. It's like a go. drop every day or something. <laughs> Of course, it's not even a shot; it's just a drop. We get um, we get a, a Britannia podcast uh, where now Britannia um, Britannia drinks podcast with uh, Dr. Living and Luke Manley. I think that'll go down well. Yeah, exactly. Just like the drink. Um, so let's move on to the the topic, shall we? So this year we focused a lot on speculative fiction, um, mainly because of speculate, but also because. There's so much conversation to just keep going with that we didn't have all the time to speculate. So we just ended up bringing half the guests back onto the podcast <laughs> and continuing the discussion. Um, That's how it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one of the recent uh, returning guests was Rose Michael, and she wrote an article about speculative fiction uh, in uh, The Conversation, I believe it's called, uh, online. And it got me interested specifically there was a line at the very end of the article uh and it was a line that made me think a lot more about it It specifically referring to the idea of metaphor and the way that i suppose the speculative fiction getting awards right so so read the article it's an interesting read it's worth looking at um the authors that she mentions and yeah it's it's worth it um but, but the thing I began thinking about was the role of metaphor in speculative fiction and specifically how it's used and how it's not used. And things that I imagined to be metaphor was more literal than first assumed. So before we jump into to talking about this bundle of snakes, uh, <laughs> which we'll hope to unravel but fail most likely and, and end up asking more questions... Um, but first is to define what you see metaphor in speculative fiction. So let's just turn it over to Dr. Livings and throw oh, him into the bundle of snakes. God, I'm yeah. glad we've got Earl here. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> God, metaphor in, yeah, in science fiction or speculative fiction. And why do you think that confusion? So I, I had a conversation with you just earlier, we having yeah. a cup of coffee, where I mentioned something and you said, well, that's not really metaphor, that's just straight literal. Hmm. Why do you think that confusion is? In that um, sense. Well, there's, it's that whole business of, of um, in, in one sense, I, I go back to Tolkien in, in, in his essay on, on fairy tales mm. where he talks about applicability. Sure. Because uh, he was accused of, of writing a, an allegory yeah. with yeah. The Lord of the Rings. You know, it was an allegory of the, 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 the bomb or the whatever. War, yeah. um, and he said, no, it's not. You know, and if anything, it was probably... A, related to his experiences in the First World War mm. rather than the Second World War. Um, but he did talk about the fact that he... Uh, but that doesn't mean something can have applicability. Um, so, for example, you know, uh, a zombie story. Mm. A zombie story for a reader, the zombies are real. 
in that world, mm. they're real. In the world that's being depicted, they're real. Zombies mean zombies. There's yeah. some, there's somebody's being, somebody is a literal zombie who eats brains. Mm. Yeah. You know, and the story is about, however, yeah, dealing with the zombie plague or whatever the story is about. It can be then looked at and say, well, okay, is, is there also a metaphor in there? Can it be applied class, to, yeah. you know, to either class warfare, um, invasion by immigrants, or yeah. whatever, yeah, whatever Lot, the like, other yeah. is. Mind can lo- loss of autonomy, I think. Or even one loss thing. of yeah, autonomy. Yeah, 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 all those sorts of issues. Yeah. That, that's, that's an applicability of the story, but mm. it, may, it may or may not have been the, the, the writer's intent. intention. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, the writer might have just wanted to make a really good zombie, zombie story and, and dealing with um, how, to, how, to, how to survive the, the, the zombie apocalypse yeah. sort of thing. Um, mm. So in that sense, science fiction or speculative fiction, if you, if you like, they're literal stories... Um, that maybe have a metaphor, mm. but then you go to something like um, metamorphosis, metamorphosis. Yeah, you know, Kafka, Greg, yeah. You know, Gregor Samsa wakes up, becomes a cockroach. Yeah. Mm. That's set in the real world. Mm. Yeah, you know, and immediately, you know, it's a metaphor. Mm. But we, you, know, you have to read the story to try and figure out: is it what a metaphor, metaphor for is? madness? Yeah. Is it a metaphor for some psychological problem? What is it being a metaphor for? But the intention is, is is metaphor. So it's yeah. explicitly metaphor, but the but the meaning is blurred. Yeah. Could be yeah. blurred, um, because we know it's a it's a you know what China Mieville calls yeah. litfic. Yeah, it's literary fiction. It's set in the real world. Mm. It's not it's not meant to be read as literal. Mm. Uh, because we know that people can't wake up as cockroaches. So, mm-hmm. so would mm-hmm. you say then that ceases to become specfic? In what sense? In, yeah. in what well, sense? it was never specfic in the first place. Right. It was, it, yeah, it, yeah. was a, it, it was a way of trying to to depict some some yeah. mental state, um, mm. and uh, yeah, it it was yeah. Is it is it uh, as Samuel Delaney talks about? Um, yeah, is is it the person's how they're perceiving their, their, their environment and they think themselves as a, as a cockroach or is it what the author's trying to sort of say about that sort of life is like being a cockroach. Mm. So, you know, it's, it, it's, 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 um, it's not literal in that sense. Yeah. It's, it's about the intention of the, the, of, of the, the subject, so, which, is the, which is Gregor Samsa. Yeah, you could Gregor almost Samsa. stretch that out, though, to say in magical realism, for instance... That's the thing that happens where you have this one strangeness in the world yeah. that's usually a normal, you know, a realist world that the story is centered around this strangeness, right? Um, but it's a strangeness. It's only a strangeness to Western, you know, I mean, magic realism in one sense. South America. It's, right? it's South yeah. America. It's, their, it's, it's, it's about their belief system. Yeah. You know, now, if, if Kafka was writing something about say, Russian folktales, mm, yeah. yeah, and he was using that belief system, that would have been different. Then it would have, we would have called that a type of magic realism. Right. Um, because it's, it's based on... That's the, the perception of the world. Mm. It's like mythology, for instance. Mythology was identified as real, real stories. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So magic realism is real for the South Americans. Mm. West North Americans who are reading it, or Westerners reading it, 
because what's that's this not cool part thing, of thing. Yeah. yeah, what's this cool thing? You know, Ooh, wow, <laughs> it's causing some you know some cognitive dissonance. You and know, the angel and yeah, all yeah, that kind that's of stuff. Right. Something like that, but then it's fiction to them because it's, it's completely different. Yeah, it's not yeah. theirs. So yeah, so I mean, the whole idea of metaphor in in, in therefore in science fiction or is problematic not problematic i mean it, it just depends on how the story is in one sense is being written is it being written as a literal story that can be interpreted metaphorically yeah. or is it totally a, a, a metaphor um and i'm just i can't think of a of, of a um a story that is that like that so i would hate to point to the north star that always seems to dictate conversations whenever we tread into uh spec fic or <laughs> literary discussions uh might i mention the very giant by any chance <laughs> once again uh, I thought we'd. never. Had you had you buried it? Had yeah. You, oh, you buried it? <laughs> oh, he got me. No, no, that's awful. Um, but that's a story where we disagreed about what the metaphor was on the on the podcast. Mm. Would you say that is a metaphorical story then? Well, certainly that seemed to have been the intent. You know, he was he was he's he's been quoted as saying that you know he was he was looking at. Um, things like ethnic cleansing mm. and stuff like that. So he was writing a story using the Arthurian Dark Ages environment, Just if you like, setting, yeah. to talk about the, the, the ethnic cleansing problem, if you like. But isn't that a thematic element rather than a showing it through metaphor? Because in the story, it's literal, yes? Yeah, it is. It's literal. That's yeah. right. Um, and again, that goes back to, well, you know, but it was his intention. Yeah, for it still to be, compare to something that's yeah. in reality. That's, yeah, yeah, it's still. Um, mm, I see what you mean. There. So yeah. it, yes, it was literal. But then again, there, the whole sense of the mist. Yeah, yeah. is it's it real? Memory, even yeah. in the world, you know, it was sort of treated as real. But the dragon, yeah, to kill the dragon who was who was who was um, spreading the mist. Had were these people just being forgetful, or was it really Merlin doing something to? It was a PTSD. PTSD. Yes, that's right. So, uh, I mean, I think it was left a little vague in that sense. Um, So, uh, I mean, I have my troubles with that that story because it isn't literal Mm. in the the sense. It's not historical. It's not. um, Mm. It takes liberties with 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 myth. And um, yeah, is it a case of a, a literary writer who who is treading in territory doesn't really know enough yeah, of the using it as the, uh, the, the 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 tropes and the yeah. the as uh, again as Samuel Delaney talks about the protocols of of, of uh, uh, either the writing or reading of, of of a different type of literature. Yeah, so explain that idea of protocols. Uh, the whole idea of that it seems to be that literary fiction has its set of what yeah a reader comes to literary fiction because of, you know, because of the reading the the background that they've had mm. so they're able to 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 know the signals in the text yep. that tell them a it's a literary fiction and b um what how how good it's being written and and how good it's exploring the um the psychology of whatever the the characters are going through um where somebody who's read science fiction all their life has a different set of yeah. ways of engaging with the text. They know the signals that the text gives mm. and they understand what's important and what isn't. If you get a, 
Well, the example I read in, a, in, in an article just today was of somebody being given a science fiction text, but it was a literary reader, yeah. and then getting hung up with the fact that there was a fast and light drive that was tachyons and, and using tachyons <laughs> and sort of not, not being able to move beyond the story because yeah. they were so caught up with, but how does it work? Yeah. Yeah, whereas for a science fiction reader... That's not the point of the story. That's not the point of the story. They don't care. They they know it's a device to have fast and life. Sorry, it was the forever war. Mm. Right, okay. Which is a classic of science fiction. Um, And it's just a device to talk about the fact that if you go away fast and light and come back, the Earth will have changed enormously, but you haven't. Yeah. And it was all about dealing with that that sort of dislocation. And it was based on... Uh, Haldeman's, Haldeman's, Haldeman's um, experiences in the Vietnam War, which which Again, can can yeah, be sort of be, say yeah. yeah, he took those experiences, turned it into a science fiction story, but it actually reflects back on the fact that returned veterans are dislocated. Mm-hmm. They're not dislocated because they've gone for centuries, come back, but there's still a sense of dislocation. Right. Um, so thematically, I suppose that's what he was working with. And, yeah. But he had this literal story. But a, a literary reader doesn't couldn't, have couldn't, the couldn't, knowledge, couldn't, yeah. didn't have the combined knowledge, the combined protocols yeah. of knowing what was important in the story and what wasn't. Yeah, I mean, so, you get that you get that whole sense of you know when when science fiction readers read a, a, a literary fiction and sort of think, but nothing happens. They don't get the point of it because they don't yeah. get mm. they, they don't have the protocols for understanding what is going on in the yeah. story. Um, yeah. So. I'm not so sure how that reflects tiny back bit to o- Tiny bit off topic, but um, what, um, how much weight do you think that would have in determining whether somebody gets published? If they write something that's correct per convention, mm. but they get picked up by someone like the, you know, the, the slush pile reader doesn't get those conventions properly like how how well, huge yeah, do you think how well that they understand genre conventions for that genre yeah. or not well i think that's, that's a hang up for a lot of like well it could be i mean yeah it, 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 i mean part of the problem i suppose with our culture is um and this this article that you're referring to yeah. talks about it is the idea that literary fiction is the dominant genre mm. litfic yeah. yeah litfic is the dominant genre yeah. Um, so most publishers, most readers of slush piles or whatever, mm. that's probably their. That's they've been educated. That if they've been educated at the university, they've done the English lit, mm-hmm. and they've been predominantly exposed to lit fic. So they understand yep. those protocols. So they understand mm. those protocols. So you send them a a, um, a a spec fic story that uses a different set of protocols. Yes, they'll sort of say, I don't, I can't get into this. Yeah, and they'll reject it. Can't see the value. So blah, you have blah, to. Blah, blah, yeah. yeah, you can't see the value so, of it. So that's a great segue into the idea that a, a lot of the books mentioned in that article are uh, speculative fiction books that are winning uh, literary fiction awards. Yep, and that's becoming uh, increasingly a trend now. You, you can see a lot of that happening. Um, now, my question is: Do you think that? Well, obviously, we haven't read all the all the books on that, no. but <laughs> we we understand the 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 things that they're working with, would you say are more protocols referring to literary fiction? So a literary judge will look at that and see literary protocols instead of spec fic. So in one sense, the book relies on the accumulated knowledge of a literary reader and maybe spec fic readers don't connect as much. Do you think that might be well, that? It's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, what was interesting in that article is that it was the comment that most of the writers don't see themselves as spec fic writers. Yeah. So they obviously see themselves as lit fic yes. who are dealing with climate change, which yep. is predominantly what what those books were mm. um, were looking at. Um, 
And so they were, I suppose, they were looking at a speculative moment, yeah. which is you know, what's happening in climate change, what's happening with our climate, and projecting maybe into a near future mm. of it. But they're doing it with a literary sensibility. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the books also won an Aureolus Award yep. for Best Novel. So mm. it's Gen- obviously Gen been... Gene Wilson's um, uh, Into the Wreck, I think. It's yeah, called. Into yeah. the Wreck. Yeah. yeah. So obviously that was able to do cover both grounds. Now, whether that yeah. means um, she's she was a... She was able to use both protocols. Is that possible? Or I, I don't. I don't know if it, if yeah. it is. I mean, it's, it. It might be that the uh, the, the particular Aurealis readers are aware of different protocols yeah. and were able to, to sort of see the benef- see the the um, the worth in the yeah. book. Or the literary judge was the same. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know. And uh, and also, you're not sure whether this is all about flavor of the month. Yeah. Is Cli-Fi yeah. flavour of the month? Because people are talking so, about it. It's, you know, it's in media these so, days. So yeah. it doesn't matter if it's literary or spec fic. It's Cli-Fi done. You know, yeah. That kind of, you, yeah. yeah. So, um, so and unless we had read all these books, as you said, mentioned, we, we, mm. it's hard to make a, 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 an assessment of them. Mm. Um, but there is, I suppose, you know, you can only work with what you, what you know and... I think it is possible to, to, to learn both sets of protocols, yeah. but it means you need to have read a lot in both areas, yeah. you know, which means a long sort of reading. Yeah, you need <laughs> to have a long reading life. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I've started off, I started off with um, uh, science fiction as that when I was a young reader, but then I went and studied that in uni. Yeah, yeah. I studied literary, literary fiction, so I'm aware of both, yep. both of them. Um, but I don't know whether how I would respond to these these particular novels because I haven't I haven't looked at them yeah. yet. And I wonder in one sense that so so obviously the 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 point being made in the article is is that it's gaining the specfic in in one sense is gaining literary respectability. That's the proposition. But and you know I wonder also, and far be it for me to disagree with you, Rose, by the way. I hope you listen to this. It's a very, (laughs) very interesting article. Um, But I wonder if that's because the the spec-fickiness of it. it, You mentioned earlier we were having a chat about the idea of objects and subjects and stories. And I'd love you to go into that a little bit. Um, But it's using it as... So so in one sense, if I were to write a a spec-fick book, which is about the world of the story... That wouldn't win that award, right? No, because that's definitely hard spec fit. Yeah, that, yes, hard spec. Oh, that's interesting because that's not the same as hard. It's not, yeah. uh, SF. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean what you're referring to is, is Samuel Delaney's uh, way of distinguishing between what he calls mundane fiction because mm-hmm. it's fiction about the world as it is, as yeah. we have it, and science fiction. Yep. And he, his his distinction is is that. In mundane fiction, or as Meovel Mio- calls it, lit fic, yeah. it's all about the subject. It's about yep. how the subject responds to the world around mm. them. Whereas science fiction tends to be about the world. Yep. Um, and yes, the, 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 the protagonist might be responding to it, but part of the engagement you have with science fiction is figuring out how the world is the way it is. Mm. Um, one of the examples he uses in one of his essays is, you know, use the, the expression winged dog. Now, in literary fiction, that would be absolutely nonsensical. Yeah. There's no such thing as a winged dog. <laughs> yeah. In fantasy, it would be a sort of thing, 
You'd have a momentary sort of thing. Pause oh, and you'd okay. be like, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, then you shrug and move on. Yeah, and just <laughs> continue with the story. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in science fiction, the reader would then be thinking, well, what sort of world <laughs> could actually have created a winged dog? Yeah. You know, and how was it bred? How has it evolved? Yeah. So it, it brings up a whole set of different questions mm. because you know you're reading science fiction. Mm. And so you're becoming more involved with... In one sense, I suppose, the world building. The, the, yeah. the, the reader engages with the world building. It's not just the world being presented. Yep. There's an active imaginary um, discussion going on between mm. the reader and, and, the, and the text, yep. um, which you don't have if you're reading literary fiction. Yep. Um, I remember years ago being, being part of this workshop group and I took a, a short story to read to the group and... I read about th- maybe only a couple of pages mm. of it, and I realised that just they weren't couldn't, getting it. They couldn't get into it. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I tried to sort of, I sort of said, I can't. I, I'm going to have to stop reading this for, you know, because the, I don't think I, we can get any feedback out of this. And, and then we, I got into this sort of partial, robust discussion. Well, I call it an argument, just a robust <laughs> discussion with the, with one of the people in the workshop about. You know, it's so much easier for you guys writing literary fiction. The world is, you know, you just assume the world. You yeah. know, there's no imagination. Oh, I made the mistake Ooh. of saying there's no imagination yeah. in it. And of course, he bristled at this and sort of said, yes, of course I'm using my imagination. But he, he, and he is, but he's not doing it for world building. He's doing it for right. looking at, at maybe, I mean, you might use your imagination to describe, said, yeah. you might examine the world and, and describe it in ways that are quite imaginative, yeah. um, but you're not engaged in the, the imaginative world building that mm. a science fiction story would have yeah. or a fa- even, even some fantasy stories. Yeah. Do you think that makes it a lot harder to write metaphor in science fiction or fantasy then because of the fact that people are like, ah, obviously that's that. Yeah. Um, that's why I think it comes back to applicability. Mm. Yeah, you, you won't, it, it's hard. You, you can, I mean, you, look, you can use metaphor obviously as a literary device in your sentence by sentence yep. constructions. Uh, but is the story a, a metaphor? Well, the protocol says you're treating it as a real world. Mm. It just ha- doesn't happen to be the real world. It yeah, happens yeah. to be another. It's, it, it, it goes back to Tolkien's secondary world. Yep. You've built a secondary world, but part of the part of the fun, if you like, for a, for a reader, it's like is, attached is, to their own reality or something it, like. Well, that. partly that, but also partly just learning about that world. Mm. And the wonder of how that world has come to be. Mm. That's what, you know, the science fiction is, the literature of wonder yeah. in that sense. Litfic isn't. It's a literature of psychology or... Yeah, or, it's examining different things. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but not the world itself. They're, they're, they're not a literature that's been divided into two. They're just two separate literatures. Mm. Um, and so, yes, m- metaphor would be harder to, to write. Um, would you say that the Black Mirror series is something like a lit fic? Um, or lit spec fic? Lit spec. Well, <laughs> well, somewhere in that, yeah. in that yeah. blurred area. I mean, there, there, may of, be, yeah. there may be a blurred area. I'm, I'm, I haven't had time enough yeah. to think about whether there yeah. is one. It's, it's, it's spec fic because mm. it's taking current, say, social media mm. um, Concerns mm-hmm. and and extrapolating them. Yep. Yeah. So in that sense, it's it is doing the lit fic, mm-hmm. th- oh, sorry, the spec fic um, process of what if, mm-hmm. yeah, pulling something forward yeah, in time put, and yeah, seeing right. what the end so, result is. Yeah. Um, it tends to look at the 
the results of that mm-hmm. extrapolation mm-hmm. on the people. It, it's a little fairy tale-ish as well, isn't it? Like it's a mm. bit cautionary tale. Yeah, it has that kind of vibe about exactly. That show. Yeah, you know, it's um, the, it, it, um, a lot of lot of science fiction does that. Yeah, yeah. The um, and I, it's a uh, zone. Um, the um, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. It's, it's yeah. a little bit. Of well, that. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's um, so. Yeah, whether it's literally, it's more about the world, yeah, and its effect on people rather than the people, the people engaging the, yeah. with with a with a world. Yeah. So it's more object and subject in okay. in, in Delaney's uh, classification. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and, and but it, but but the, I'm I'm never going to say it's either or. Yeah, I think course. it's safe to sort of say that there probably is a blurred line. Yeah. Um, you know, a grey area in between on the boundary, and maybe that's where the lit spec fic exists. Yeah, if right, it, if it exists. You know? Yeah, I mean, is 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 Margaret Atwood lit spec fic or just literary I fiction? S- that's yeah, yeah. I, that's, yeah. And it's difficult because the authors themselves don't consider themselves. So that's spec right. Fic. Yeah. So their intention is almost, you know, if if we go with the author intention thing, then we're saying that it's not mm. in one sense because they didn't intend it to be. Yeah. Um, there's that so, weird Switzerland between the two sides. <laughs> <laughs> and Switzerland is small, so yeah. Uh, I think, so So one thing, and I think we can we can come to the wrap-up here, but there's one last bit about metaphor, and this is not just about speculative fiction, but metaphor used in fiction in general. So there's a, there's a line that James Wood um, talks about, and he says that he feels that metaphor is a... Now, I'm paraphrasing this, and you shouldn't <laughs> paraphrase James Wood. Um, but he was basically saying that he considers metaphor a poorer form of storytelling because it, it's pointing away from the story. It's pointing at something else and not the story itself. So in one sense, the story isn't being honest with itself. It's not saying, look at me, this is what I'm telling you. It's saying, look somewhere else. What do you mm. think about that as a closing thought? Yeah, I mean, the, then that would be, I think, somebody who hasn't written it well enough mm. that you... That, that you get involved in the story, but later on, using Tolkien's term again, yeah. you can see the applicability of the story to something else. Right. If it's pointing too much to something else during the story, then Wood might, you know, James Wood might yeah. be quite, yeah. quite correct. And then I'd be saying, well, it's bad, bad storytelling. Yeah. It's like if, um, you, if you write it with the goal of the metaphor, then the story is lost. Yeah. That's... So like it's like but, writing with a message in mind. You know, I have to tell this message. Well, the story is again the story yeah. is lost. Well, it's <laughs> then it's propaganda. But I mean, propaganda you know, exactly. But it's, yeah. but it's very overt mm. rather than COVID. I mean, all stories yeah. are in a way are propaganda. Yes. Because oh, they're, yeah, they're, 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 the they've all got yeah. a they've all got a message. A, 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 yeah. a, a, not not necessarily a message, mm. but they've got assumptions built into it. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, because know, every writer has I mean, their own. Yeah. I mean, you look at something like the the supernatural TV series. Its basic assumption is that the Christian mythos is true. Yes, and so that's that's its underlying assumption. Yeah, you know, and that's political in a in a sense because yeah. that's just a belief system. And most most demon stories yes, are working with that same yeah. mythos. And you're using people's collected knowledge of, of that it. Thing that's right to have the backing, which is why usually people get into shows like that really easy because they've already they've already they, they already yeah. know it. Yeah, so. Uh, or someone like ex- Neil Gaiman playing with American Gods. Mm. That's a little different because he's playing with all of the canon of yeah, a lot of, of uh, different mythologies yeah. or different mythos. Yeah, use with mythos rather than mytholo- mythologies. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so so in that sense, all stories have got a with these these almost unspoken axioms underneath yeah. them, which in a way are political. It's it's a political belief. Yeah. That the writer may not even be aware of because yeah. Yeah, they're just writing in a culture that, say, accepts Christian mythos and yes. they're writing stories that fulfill that. It's, it's sort of you were mentioning to me about the idea of writing something outside of a Christian belief system and trying to put yourself in that character's shoes and being like, no, it's not a sin uh, culture. It's, that's it's, right. It's something yeah. else. It's something else. And that's, that's very difficult to do if, yeah. you, if you've if you're in, embedded in a, in, in, a, in a culture that, has a, that is yeah. a sin culture. Um, and uh, and then you worry about how a reader's going to re- react. Yeah, will to they be able to follow you follow, into that follow without into all that knowledge? Yes, yeah. that's right. So, yeah. um, but even something like Lord of the Rings, it's got this fundamental assumption that there is no real resolution, like peace between good and evil, mm, as well. Yeah. Just the basic. I mean, every yeah. book has its own assumptions. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And they, they can be global or they can be very specific and that's where you get more, like, more niche followings, I assume. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> there you go. Mm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. I certainly have. Uh, why don't we go around the chairs? Not because there's no table here. Uh, and uh, <laughs> It's certainly not a round. Yeah, <laughs> it's certainly not very round. <laughs> that's just my bad positioning. Um, Luke, why don't you start us off? Where can people find you? Uh, where can they see you on social media? Uh, you can still find me at thesoulshard.com. It's a little bit, there's tumbleweed there a little bit. But, yes. But um, I do tweet <laughs> angrily sometimes. No, I don't. I actually tweet a little bit. But, yeah. Um, yeah, find me at thesoulshard on Twitter or write to me on my website so that I write something else. <laughs> so you feel guilty and then have <laughs> to, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Oh, market pressure. Not even market pressure. That's a very writer thing. I, yeah. keep, I know. I keep meaning to put something up there and I always yeah. forget to. So it's a, that's a problem. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we'll let, we'll let you do your shout out to Dr. Livings and then we'll do some announcements for the end. So why don't okay. you kick us off? Um, well, my website is still the Arwen Project, which is A-W-E-N Project. .blogspot.com.au um, and yes I'm on Twitter as well Earl underscore livings I think yeah. it is um, mm. so uh, uh, but I'm not that angry a user <laughs> <laughs> or I try, much of a I try user. not to be I'm usually pretty pretty like uh, a little snide like collected yeah, yeah. I'm on a fa- little bit yeah. snide but usually co- yeah. collected is the way I put it <laughs> And on Facebook too, but I mean, you know, it's uh, I think it, you know, most people are on Facebook, but not present company. I, I no, yeah, that's no. right. So. I used to be, but I got spam, and I was like, eh, I can't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. too many yeah. different. I didn't platforms. log in. Yeah, it was just my details right. hanging out there. I got happy birthdays every year. I was like, I don't need a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, human beings. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that whole thing yeah. about you know, yeah, if you're on too many social media's accounts, you're not you're not really. <laughs> Prof, you know, not, not really marketing. Them, yeah. You're not marketing yourself. You know, it's yeah, it's better to stick to one or two. Be good um, on it. Yeah, yeah be good on those. You know, whether it's writing blogs or or uh, or, or Twitter rages. Yeah, absolutely. Rants, <laughs> not rages. Speak- well, it could be well, could, could <laughs> collected, collected comments. Collected <laughs> comments. I like that. You got to copyright that. Um, and you also have events coming up, don't you? Yes, um, I've got uh, a new book of poetry coming out uh, in and being launched on 9th of December. At uh, the Baldwin Library, three for three thirty p.m. start. If anybody's interested in coming along to hear Alex Scovron, one of Australia's top poets, uh, launch my book. I'm really, really pleased and thrilled to have him uh, being my launcher. And um, 
so there that's the main thing that I've got coming up and uh, um, and still as we all are working on other projects <laughs> uh, absolutely jeez piling up there you go guilting us every time we look at them yeah exactly I can feel that well, you can find The Morning Bell at the uh, morningbell.com.au is the website, which is probably where you're listening to this. Um, you can find our SpecFic endeavors on our website, specfic.com.au or on Twitter at specficvic. Um, speaking of Speculate, uh, there will be some information coming out very soon. And I know it's, it's been a bit of a wait, but we've been beavering away. Um, very quietly behind the scenes and we have some information to share. So sign up to the newsletter and that's the best way you can just keep track of what's going on and some returning guests to speculate as well as some brand new ones. So uh, very excited to be putting that on and I hope to see a lot of you there. There you go. Um, Thank you very much for listening to the episode and we'll see you on the next podcast.